Blow My God is brought to you by Afterglow ATX, a digital music publication in Austin, Texas. Read the entirety of our content at afterglowatx.com and follow us on all social media at Afterglow ATX. Hi, y'all, and welcome back to Glow My God, an Afterglow ATX official podcast serving the hottest takes about what's next in your queue. It's been far too long. We've missed you dearly, and we're glad to finally be back, even if it is still in the middle of a pandemic. I am today's host, Zoe Judilla, also the co-editor-in-chief of Digital at Afterglow, and I'm joined by audio director Mark Yoder. Today's very special guest is Afterglow content editor Mika Garza, And for today's episode, we'll be settling the debate once and for all about who's the best rap lyricist in the game. Seriously, we brought receipts. But first, what's new in music? In what's new in music, we reflect on some of the biggest music news events from the past two weeks. Mark, what news has stuck out to you? The Beastie Boys recently broke their longtime stance of never allowing their songs to be licensed in any kind of advertising by letting the Joe Biden campaign use their song Sabotage in a campaign ad that aired during an NFL game. This pledge came after the death of founding member Adam Yock in 2012, who wrote in his will that he wanted nothing he created to be used for advertising purposes. According to the Biden campaign, the ban agreed to give the licensing because of the importance of the election. And on Thursday, Thursday night, Ariana Grande dropped her new single, Positions, along with an eye-catching music video of her pretending to be the President of the United States. This was pretty good timing because we just had the presidential debates, and it was kind of like a nice, refreshing alternative to the two old white guys that we had ended up with. She also included the line, heaven sent you to me, I'm just hoping I don't repeat history. And many fans speculate that she's throwing shade at Pete Davidson here because the word Pete and repeat. So who knows, but fans will speculate. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. (laughs) On my end, Stevie Nicks is back at the top of the Billboard Hot 100 songwriters chart thanks to the Fleetwood Mac Dreams resurgence by TikTok sensation Nathan Apodaca, the king of longboarding and ocean spray. The song is a true classic penned entirely by Nix herself, and its recent resurgence only emphasizes the timelessness of Nick's song. The weekly Hot 100 songwriters and Hot 100 producers charts are based on total points accrued by a songwriter and producer, respectively, for each attributed song that appears on the Hot 100. Plus, genre-based songwriter and producer charts follow the same methodology based on corresponding hot named genre chart. As with Billboard's yearly recaps, multiple writers or producers split points for each song equally, and the dividing of points will lead to occasional ties, unlike lots of controversy here. Additionally, Wayne Coyne, the head of The Flaming Lips, has a new COVID-proof plan for the future of concerts, one that involves everyone attending in large hamster balls. I've actually been, <laughs> I've been to a Flaming Lips concert. It's kind of iconic. But the Flaming Lips started this trend far before the pandemic. It's a signature move for them. So they were uniquely prepared for distance concerts. What do you guys think about the future of concerts? And how likely are we to spend the rest of our days in giant hamster balls? Only time will tell. And those are the past two weeks in music. And now for our next section, save, skip, and repeat, which is exactly how it sounds. 
What are your choices for this episode, Zoe? I would say Faith Healer by Juliana Baker. She is back. She's having a new album in spring 2021, I believe. I don't know if there's a set month for that already. Um, but today marks the, as of recording, um, marks the fifth anniversary of her iconic EP. And you can read more of that and its album anniversary on our website, afterthelatex.com. Um, I would skip. So I tried listening to the Rigo Nasty, Gucci Mane, Don Tolliver song, and I was not into it. I would skip it. I was really sad because I was kind of excited. But yeah, no, not for me. Interesting. I have um, not heard it yet. Yeah, it's like I expected it to be better. Um, I would repeat Rami from the XX's solo debut, um, Lifetime. It's a really awesome dance number and Jamie XX also contributed to the production of the song and it's a really great transition for Rami's usual sad music um, that the XX is known for into uh, more obviously hot British music, British dance music, which is excellent. So yeah, those are my picks for the week. What about you guys? Mm, I would save Na 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 by Kanye West because he is finally straying away from that whole holy Kanye concept that he's <laughs> Um, and we're finally rolling back to the whole reason that we listened to Kanye in the first place, which was to hear a bunch of nonsensical verses and controversy in four minutes or less. Um, it's also really catchy production-wise, in my opinion, so I've been listening to it when I work out. Um, I would skip WAP because it is still on the Rap Caviar playlist, and I have actually physically been hitting the skip button. Like, I'm... Finally tired of there it. There you go. That's how you know. Yeah, it was just a perfect lineup with this podcast. Um, and for my repeat, I would pick Brand E by John Frusciante. If you don't know who that is, the guitarist, former guitarist, I can't keep up, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, because it's a really good electronic, like, study music song. And it doesn't make me want to fall asleep like classical music does. So that's been a, a repeat on my end. What about you, Mark? Uh, I would probably save Burden of Proof, the title track of Many of the Butcher's newest album. Great opening track. I would skip the entire new Ty Dolla Sign album. I'm not a Ty Dolla Sign hater, but I don't really care to listen to a whole album of his song. And on repeat, I have Baby Keem's song, Hooligan. episode we bring on a special guest that has pitched to us their hot take of the week and we will have selected their idea to be featured in this episode this week our guest is content editor mika garza here to settle who the greatest rap lyricist of all time is alongside our audio director mark yoder i'm just here to moderate you guys so mika would you like to go first i would like to first First, thank you guys for allowing me and this wonderful idea on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on and thank you for coming up with this idea. I've been dying to do this podcast since I knew the podcast it's was- It's inception, a yeah. Totally. yeah. Literally. So I'm very excited. 
And need I say more? Especially excited to be on the podcast with you guys because I think this is a very good trio, very good Aries trio. I agree. I totally agree. I think there's good energy. There's lively energy between us three. So what do you guys think makes an excellent lyricist? What are we basing it off here? What's the criteria, if you will? Yeah, I think there's a lot of kind of moving parts and different things that you can look at and people have looked at. Um, sort of rhymes is like one of the easiest to quantify and kind of to just look at at face value. Like, okay, he's rhyming every single word of this bar with the bar after it. It's like, you could just count the number of rhymes and internal rhymes that are happening. And you'd say, oh, this is a good lyricist. You could point to like an Eminem where like, you know, he'll just be spitting like crazy and just saying random stuff. Sometimes it'd be kind of that lyrical miracle type of rap. And so, you know, that is like part of being a good lyricist. But I think, you know, there's a lot of other aspects that, you know, you can look at. Yeah, coming coming from an English background, like studying English uh, in college, I tend to look at rap verses like poetry. And that's what led me to this idea of like analyzing lyrics to see who really is the best lyricist of all time. Because if you really think about it, they're all like rappers are half comedian, half poet, you know, like, I agree. Entertain all around. Also, just to preface, I think it's this is just supposed to be a you know a lighthearted kind of fun discussion. I don't think you can ever really say with confidence who the best would be, but you can make an argument or kind of have a point of view on it. Totally agree with you on that one. I feel like even if you do have a, a favorite rapper or like a greatest rapper of all time in mind, the chances of them having a different rapper in mind are like super uh, common. Like probable, yeah, for sure. It's something everyone has their own own thoughts on. Who do you think is the best um, lyricist, would you say, Mika? I personally believe that the best rap lyricist of all time is Andre 3000. Three Stacks has Three been stacks. the best rapper of all time by probably your favorite rapper. Like, let's be real. He's in everybody's, like, top five. Literally everyone's. There's receipts online. It's insane. I would say that's a hot take. Yeah, no, I, I actually think that's a less popular opinion than you're making it out to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I respect it, though. Like, I liked Andre a lot, and I, I think he is a really good lyricist. But I don't know. Outkast is obviously one of the biggest rap groups of all time, easily. But I almost feel like he's been out of it for so long. I feel like his name doesn't come up as much as it should. So I'm glad you're bringing him to the table as mm -hmm. your pick. For me, who's your pick? For me personally, it has to go to Kendrick Lamar, without a doubt. So I'm, I'm curious, Mika, if you could start with what you think Andre 3000 has incorporated to make him stand out to you. I personally, I, I want to make a disclaimer. I'm not very, I, I feel like I'm not qualified to be making the claims that I am. <laughs> I listen to a lot. Of <laughs> you can't say that. That's not how you can start your start. Your I listen argument. to a lot, a lot 
a lot of like rap and hip hop, but I am a metalhead first, which is a weird like dichotomy within me, I feel like. Okay. So I feel more comfortable making claims in the metal world, but I moved into hip hop because I feel strongly about this. And I was schooled by old hip hop heads when I, I personally <laughs> claimed that Kendrick Lamar or Eminem had to be the best lyricist of all time. And they were like three stacks. And I went and did my research. And now I'm convinced. I'm convinced that it's got to be three stacks because you took a couple courses in Old Head University. <laughs> you have finally come to the light that three stacks. Cozy, that's exactly how it happened. And Mark, why do you think? Why why do you think Kendrick is the best? So the thing for me with Kendrick is that each song and in an album kind of contributes to the overall theme of that album, especially when looking at his last three albums, Good Kid, Mad City, December Butterfly, and Damn. It's not just like each, you can like take each song out of context and look at the lyrics um, by themselves, in my opinion, because there's callbacks, there's references to other songs, like The Pimple Butterfly, for example, like each song has sort of a, a twin song that it kind of goes with. And it mm -hmm. gives a lot more meaning to the lyrics when you kind of look at the overall of the album. And that's why I think he's the best lyricist, because, you know, if you look at like someone like Lil Wayne, and he's like a great lyricist, but for him, each song is like, it's not even really about anything. It's just like punchline, punch punchline, 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 punchline. And it's funny and it's clever, but it's it doesn't have the same kind of thought out nature to it that I feel like a Kendrick album has. And so that's like my biggest thing where I feel like he can set himself apart from other rap lyricists is that it's so dense when you really get into the albums and there's so many like meanings that each song can have. Yeah, and Afterglow did rank um, the Butterfly number one on the best albums of the decade. That's that's actually fact. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a hot take. I'm just saying it's the correct take. <laughs> Damn, damn. Um, Miga, but you brought some receipts and I would actually like for you to take them out, flesh <laughs> them out, and- Let us see the these receipts. Tell yeah. the class the research you've done to support your argument, because I personally, I would like to see it. I have some facts to contribute to this argument before we get into analyzing their lyrics. Okay. I think it's important that we note that we are pitting a Gemini against a Gemini here. Kendrick mm -hmm. is a Gemini. <laughs> wow. I'm 3000 is a Gemini and they both talk about it too. They do. Yes. They're they both self-aware. Very things. much so. Yeah. So that's interesting. I uh, I thought it was interesting that you brought up the uh, fact that Kendrick Kendrick's albums all have like a general concept and it's really hard to listen to specific songs without understanding the concept behind the album because of all the callbacks and the continuing storyline that overarchs throughout all well, of the songs. Yeah, and I think you can listen to a Kendrick song and still like by itself and really still enjoy it and like it. But what's going to really put it over the edge and kind of give it all that extra meaning is when you look at it in the context of the album. And like a off the top, an example I can point to is Backseat Freestyle. Like whenever that song came out, everyone's like, oh, Kendrick went pop or like Kendrick's changed. And now he's just this braggadocious rapper and he's just he's just trying to get on a radio, trying to get hits and stuff. And people were like his fans were actually kind of some fans were mad about that song. Some people thought it was super hype. But then when you look at it in the context of Good Kid, Mad City, which is the story of a young Kendrick, Backseat Freestyle, the song right before that, 
he's in the van with his homies and they're like, get your freestyles ready or whatever. And then it jumps into it. So, you know, it's like a young Kendrick trying to impress his friends. That's why he's rapping this way, you know? So that's like a good example of giving this, the whole song a different meaning once it's in the album versus once it was just a single and people didn't really get what it was going for. So, yeah. I agree with you there. Um, I think that that's something that Kendrick does that's very, I wouldn't say that only he does it, but I think he's the one who does it best of his class of rappers uh, in recent years. The Art of Storytelling, which is actually the title of one of the songs that (laughs) Andre 3000 wrote while he was an outcast. So Mm -hmm. in my opinion, I feel like while it is uh, correct to talk about how Kendrick does that so well, I think it's also important to note where he learned it from. And that was arguably from Three Stack Self, Mm. who did it on his previous albums in Outkast. Like, Aquemini is a story in itself, the entire album and the title track. And his other albums um, with Big Boy also, they do follow that overarching storyline concept that we were talking about with Kendrick. So while it is correct to say that he does it well, I don't think he was the first one to do it. And I agree with you. I think Andre for sure was an inspiration for Kendrick, but I don't necessarily hold to the belief that just because you did it first, that means you did it the best or that you get to take credit for it. But Andre was a pioneer of it. I just think that Kendrick perfected some of the stuff he was doing. Can we go into um, analysis then? So one of Three Stack's most popular songs is Return of the G off of the album Aquemini with Big Boy when he was an outcast. This came out in 1998. I was not even alive yet, which I think is saying a lot. <laughs> but I did go through it. It's the second track on the album. And I just like went through the lyrics and was analyzing them like I would any other piece of poetry. And I was able to find a good usage of like seven to eight literary devices that he did use some of them multiple times. Um, and I thought it was really interesting to make notes on that and to annotate this as a piece of literature. So he uses, let's see, uh, in the intro, which I think is like po- possibly the most clever part, he says, they always be hollering, peace, you know what I'm saying? Peace, my brother, peace this, peace that, you know what I'm saying? But every time I try to get a peace of mind, they try to get a peace of mind. So I got to grab my peace. Bars, bars. Truly. So we got the repetition of peace, right? Yeah. But we got both words, peace as in like a piece of something and peace, like world yeah. peace. So there is a double entendre pun going on there in these bars. And I think that's amazing. The repetition of peace at different uh, parts of these bars. Also, he doesn't just do end rhyme, which we see with a lot of rappers. That's something that after a lot of research I saw was not only something used by Three Stacks, but something that he does utilize a lot that sets his verses apart from the general population of rappers. And then so he goes into the first verse and he uses another one of his devices that he's well known for, enjampment, which is when you finish a line and continue it 
with the first word of the next line. So he goes, thanks to them. And then at the end of that line, he goes, in your crib, which? And then he goes, an eight-month-old child, to raise plus ellipsis, this music, but they. Like, he, he does that a lot, and he's known for that. And he does it all throughout the entire album, Aquemini, which makes his flows very... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? They're, they, it's how you know that they're his flows. Like, if you slowed down his bars into a pitch that wasn't even his voice, you know, you, like, mm-hmm. made the pitch of his high pitch or super low pitch, just by the way that he's rapping, you'd be able to tell that that was an Andre 3000 verse. And I think that is saying a lot. Like, the way he uses these devices to give his verses an essence of himself. Um, he also uses illusion. He says Return of the Gangsta, which is an allusion to the title. At the end, he uh, alludes to the public's questioning of him because he was known for being kind of flamboyant and uh, not as like real gangster as Big Boy was. And that's why they were the Equimini, like this dichotomy of outcasts. And he asked a bunch of questions and alludes to the public's prying of their personal life and I think that's also very interesting so analyzing return of the g made me realize that he uses literary devices and is a true poet he is not just rapping over beats he is really sitting there thinking about the way that he can make his poetry have some je ne sais quoi to them that je ne sais quoi. People, are, people are gonna know that these verses are his That was one. I think what we're looking at here in terms of how the two differ is Mika's looking more at construction, while Mark, you're kind of looking at context and how Kendrick uses context. So could you explain any examples that come to mind of how Kendrick's lyricism is superior to that kind of carefully crafted construction, wordplay, construction, literary devices that you can argue against that claim? Well, I think some of the songs that are coming to mind as some of my kind of, some of the most impressive lyrical expressions from Kendrick. Uh, I look at like the song Fear and it's like the structure of the song is kind of Kendrick's perspective when he's, 7, 17, and 27, and kind of the stuff he's afraid of at all of those ages. Like when he's seven, he's afraid of messing something up and getting punished by his mom. And then when he's 17, he's afraid of getting killed in some way, like at a party or something like that. Um, And all the anxiety caused by kind of where he's living. And then when he's 27, it's more about like, he has all this money, he's afraid that he's gonna like lose it all or like lose everything he has. He's at this position and he's, a lot of his anxiety and fear comes from the potential of losing it all. So it's that kind of overall song structure is really powerful, I think. And having all three verses kind of relate in that way of all kind of being at different times, but all being about his fears at those times, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a really creative structure and it's like a really effective one. So Mark, does any particular Kendrick bar stick out to you that you can counter Mika's argument? Yeah, I think when you kind of look at sort of the like internal rhymes and using similar words, I think High Power has a lot of good examples. Like, you slipped your disc when I slid you my disc. You wanted to disc, 
but jumped on my dick. I think that's a great two bar, like lots of different rhymes in there and lots of like funny meanings in there. So I think my overall argument is that Kendrick, what makes him above the other rappers is like his overall album building, like storytelling and like the kind of the bigger picture stuff. But he has great bars in there too. And he has like all of the literary devices that Mika was kind of referencing along with sort of that overarching theme that creates song in each album. I think it's a really fair point that you're making, honestly. I'm so close to agreeing with you, but I feel like I have to stand my ground here when I'm <laughs> claiming that Three Stacks is the best lyricist of all time. I do kind of have something that I want you to think about that got me thinking actually today or the other day. I was listening to some commentary about rap lyricists and why rappers themselves love Three Stacks so much. And uh, Justin Hunt, he is uh, like us. He covers music, but he does it in video format on YouTube. He was talking about this concept that we're living in the quote-unquote streaming age, right? Where Spotify has, to, or Apple Music, or Tidal, if you're on that wave, has taken over the purchase physically of albums. Like, people aren't buying CDs anymore. So if we're in the streaming age, there's an argument that's been posed that we're in what has been dubbed the quote-unquote singles era, and that albums are losing their relevance. That like albums are not as important to people anymore and the charts uh, and like popular music is being dictated by people, like people's willingness to stream it. So that's why artists are releasing singles so much now and aren't releasing albums the way that they used to. And when they do release albums, no one goes, that was a great album. Everyone picks out two or three songs that they liked from the album because everything else flops. And I'm not saying that Kendrick flops because you're making the argument that his albums are what makes Kendrick Kendrick. But overall in the rap game, it seems like rappers are going more towards releasing singles and doing singles with features and remixing their their songs as singles with features of other rappers and like nobody's really focusing on that that album concept anymore which i'm not sure i 100 believe with but i thought it was interesting that he brought up that while kendrick does have some of the most influential albums of all time he lacks the the singles and the chart topping degree of like being a rapper a relevant rapper he's a relevant rapper but he lacks that degree of having chart topping singles the way that other rappers seem to do over and over and over and maybe Three Stacks isn't the top selling, you know, singles artist of all time. Maybe he doesn't have a solo album to compare to Kendrick Lamar's solo albums like that. But he is arguably the most respected because other rappers like Ludacris and Eminem and everyone else have name dropped him continually and called him like a rapper's rapper. Like your favorite rapper's rapper is probably Three Stacks, which has given way to a lot of inspiration as far as lyricism goes. So maybe he's not the best to some people, but he did inspire the best. So then what does that make him like, you know? Inspirational. <laughs> It makes him a pioneer. 
Or I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. Basically, for those um, listening at home, Mark is vigorously shaking his head to <laughs> all these statements that Mika is making. Yeah. I would like to hear your counteract. I, I completely disagree with everything you just said, pretty much. Like, A, we're, ta- we're not talking about most popular artists. We're talking about best lyricists. And I don't think at all it matters what, like, the most people are listening to or, like, what is commercially successful then drake is the best lyricist of all time and we know that's not the truth but he gets streams or he has great singles but that's not the criteria you know we're looking at it as an art form and we're looking at it as art and then you have to consider albums like that more full experience as like it's intended to be listened to and to the point about andre being alluded to as like the best or like a a rapper's rapper and stuff like i agree with that but i don't think you can use that as an argument for him being a better lyricist than kendrick just because other people have said that you know what i mean it has to be more on the lyrics themselves in my opinion so then where were the lyrics (laughs) i mean because i I pulled out receipts and I analyzed it and I told you that Andre 3000 tells amazingly incredible vivid stories just like Kendrick did and has and he got the idea from the amazing incredible stories that Three Stacks was telling with all of these devices the enjambment the the internal rhyme the external end rhyme he alludes to he alludes to other works of literature he alludes to other rappers he tells a story of growing up in Atlanta as like a, a child in the wrong side of town getting bus to the white side of town to go to school like he did like he he tells very vivid stories in the exact same way that Kendrick Lamar does and like that's where I think this is getting subjective because it's just like which story do you enjoy more how can you really you know what I mean like if they're doing the same things can you really can you really like just say that one story is better than the other because isn't that subjective to everybody like well I do agree with you that they do similar things in regards to kind of storytelling and whatnot I just don't think that Andre 3000's storytelling and kind of overall albums have been as layered and as complex as what Kendrick has done. The closest thing we've have to an Andre 3000 album is The Love Below. Now, I'm curious what you think of the lyrics on that album or of the overall kind of storytelling or whatever that was going on on that album. Because to me, that was more of a musical adventure and it was a lot more about experimentation and stuff than it was about like telling a cohesive album theme. But yeah, what do you think of that kind of half album or whatever, The Love Below? Yeah, well, The Love Below, Speaker Box, The Love Below is very interesting because it was, it could have been two albums. Like it really could Right, exactly. Two separate albums. And that was an interesting point um, where it was like post- of everybody questioning whether Outkast was going to break up and they were so determined not to break up that they literally recorded two separate albums albums, and released them together. So I don't know, in a way I feel like the reason that The Love Below was so much experimentation was because Andre 3000 has always had felt in the past um, like he had to maintain some degree of that like gangster rap type element that big boy is going for like they obviously had very different personalities and they tried to mesh them together on Equimini and it just didn't happen like that um so I feel like 
while speaker box might be the closest thing that we have to an Andre 3000 album, I don't think that we've been given the opportunity to hear what Andre really sounds like uh, on a solo album. I mean, obviously, like, because it hasn't happened. And then also because he's just felt so restrained by like the outcast, you know, monster, ghost, shadow living behind him. Yeah, um, and that's my point is that Andre is not even, I don't think he's, or at least in that phase of his musical career he I don't think he was super obsessing about the lyrics or really making that the most important part of the album like there's a lot of singing on that album there's a lot of like weird things happen happening musically but it's for that reason that I can't give him best lyricist of all time because we've never had that kind of glimpse into kind of what uh what it could have been like a full kind of more lyrically based album from Andre and but we have seen like really amazing stuff while on Outcast, but it's just hard to kind of put him in that position for me. Understandable. Definitely understandable. Um, I do think that a lot of Three Stacks' best work has come on some of the features that he's done post-Outcast. Yeah, the, the, his have, features are always amazing, and that's the thing. It's like... Well, it's because, like, you wouldn't ask somebody to be a feature unless you wanted them to write fire bars yeah. for your song. So, like, they're obviously getting him as a feature. Like, even even on Blonde, like, re as of recently, he did the solo reprise, and that was entirely him. And it was fire. It was so fire. Oh, yeah. And but so I feel like, like, there's a substantial amount of rappers who still want to work with him because he is still relevant to people who really are into the rap scene, the hip hop scene, like know their shit, know like the history and people see it as a big deal or rappers see oh, it as yeah. a big deal when they get three stacks on a track with them. It's so um, rare too. It's like when he jumps on a track every like once a year or how often it is, like it's a really big deal. And that's like a real stamp of approval for like from like a really respected figure in rap so I do agree and like he always comes through with some heat on every single feature he does so mm -hmm. I, I definitely give you that Kendrick has some features that I honestly like I'm not crazy about but the albums like the body of work to me I that's that's what I that's the reason I put Kendrick there but yeah I feel like in a way it seems like we're like agreeing with each other and also arguing with each other at the same time like cohesively and I feel yeah. like that's because the argument that we've been having is that we want to make like one of the two the best lyricists of all time when it seems like before Kendrick Lamar was even a rapper it had to have been three stacks and then Kendrick Lamar learned from Three Stacks, and now he might be the best lyricist of all time. Like, it seems like that could be the direction that this is going in, like that. Yeah, and Kendrick's still, another thing is he's still active. So he's still gonna keep putting out albums and putting out great stuff. So I think his resume is only gonna get bigger and bigger as time goes on in regards to best lyricist and best rapper of all time, which I think he's a great contender for as well. And yeah, you know, there's just a lot of differences between the two as well well so at that point it could become more of a matter of preference so closing remarks anyone so i've really been trying not to agree with everything that mark has been saying throughout this entire podcast because i want to i truly do think that kendrick deserves credit where credit is due however I still stand firm on that Andre might be, possibly is the best lyricist of all time. But it also seems like an argument could be made that 
Andre 3000 is the most influential lyricist of all time, and Kendrick could hold maybe the title for the like greatest active lyricist of all time if he continues to release fire content the way that he has. I feel pretty firm on what I have to say. Interesting. Mark, do you have any closing remarks? Closing remarks. Yeah. I can see the argument for Andre, but unfortunately, I think probably somewhat has to do with the fact that he's part of a duo. Takes away from sort of what we could see as Andre in his own right as a solo MC. And Kendrick just has the albums, the body of work, the themes, the complexities that I don't think Outkast has been able to reach with what they put out. Subjective, but that's the way I that's the way I see it. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for taking a chat and having this lovely, lovely debate. Um, in all honesty, we can't claim a winner because as we've been emphasizing this whole discussion, the best lyricist of all time is a subjective thing. It's whoever and you want it to be. <laughs> In the end, we were all the best lyricists of all time. <laughs> but thank you so much for sitting with us and sharing your hot take of the week. Tune in to our next episode, which will feature a brand new hot take about what's up next in your queue. Glow My God is a bi-weekly podcast by Afterglow ATX. Follow us on social media at Afterglow ATX for more updates.